Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend and Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan Nadkarni, who is currently enjoying the beautiful city known as Phoenix, Arizona. And based on a few texts you sent me yesterday, Rohan, it sounds like you are really smart to pack a blanket on this trip. Listen... Phoenix is a lovely city, okay? No disrespect to Phoenix, all disrespect to the sun, the star that, that we orbit around, uh, because it is hot here, okay? Uh, Mike, I, I told you this, it's it's 10 a.m. local time. I've already drank half a gallon of water just to prepare myself for the three minutes I'll have to spend in the sun today. It is so hot. I don't know why humans moved here I'm pitching Adam Silver on a neutral site NBA Finals at our media availability today because it it is it is too damn hot. It is entirely too hot. You are a real trooper. Um, all of the wonderful listeners of this show who are from Arizona and from the Phoenix area, uh, I personally apologize for Rohan's complaints. But I listen. Gonna- the valley is beautiful. We got the mountains here. This this downtown mm-hmm. area is. Nice. I had a lovely meal last night. Uh, you know, great things in the city. I, I just don't know. Can they put like an awning over the entire thing? You know, can we get like, can we just get one of like a one giant retractable awning o- over the entire city? That would be nice. Just a typical backtrack from you, Rohan, but uh, <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's okay. We're going with the flow. Uh, today's show is is pretty much going to be a mega finals preview as it should be. Um, you and I are going to ask each other three questions that we have about this series between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, and then we're just going to kind of analyze everything from there. Uh, but before we do, I just want to thank 
all of our listeners, as I do at the beginning of every show, for the emails that keep pouring in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Keep them coming. I want to hear your best questions about the NBA Finals, what matchups you're looking forward to, and any other NBA-related news that you feel we need to address on the show. Um, on that note, Rohan, we actually have a really fascinating email from a listener named Zach who wants to chat about the Atlanta Hawks for a few minutes. And so I feel like we should oblige. So Zach wrote into openfloormail at gmail.com over the weekend, and he writes, My Hawks just had a shockingly successful playoff run. They finally have a coach the team has confidence in, and they have a roster full of talented young guys who just prove themselves on the biggest stage. So naturally, I want to talk about breaking up the team. Zach, 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 Zach. Um, I, I'd love to live in a world where we could keep all these young guys for their whole careers, but that just ain't how the NBA works. Before some of these players play their way into bigger roles and bigger contracts and walk in free agency, is it worth considering moving a couple of them and picks for a talent upgrade? And then Zach goes on to list a few um, few targets that are very interesting. Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam, Brad Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, Malcolm Brogdon, so on, so on. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that this, this email and this question is very amazing. And I want to dive in it, into it from the perspective that Zach outlined and also kind of give a big picture look at um, where the Atlanta Hawks are after they were eliminated from the Eastern Conference Finals and one of the most shocking runs that I can recall any team ever making even though i picked the 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 hawks in um every round of the playoffs i still (laughs) still don't believe that we are where we are so i actually did not include this little addendum in our outline rohan but i'm going to spring it on you right now real quick oh oh you're turning the tables you're hitting i am surprise question i am i am you know how we got to do it uh (laughs) would you be surprised if the hawks did not make the finals before 2025 no, I wouldn't. I here's the thing, okay? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. I'm happy I'm happy for the city of Atlanta, okay? I love the TV show Atlanta. I love the Migos. Shout out to my guy OJ the Juice Man on CNN. Omar, you're killing it, okay? Listen, teams get close to making the finals and it's not a guarantee that you're going to make it that close again, okay? And on top of that, I just don't know how much stock I'm putting into the playoff runs teams made this season. Now, that's not to say I think that this is a fluke or whoever wins the title is undeserving, etc. I just think this season is a massive outlier in terms of what happened in the NBA. Let's talk about the Hawks' first-round playoff opponent, the Knicks. If the Knicks didn't have nine months off between seasons. Would they have been in the position they were in this year? Uh, To me, there's just so many variables to say that this is the exact version we're going to get of the Hawks moving forward. And then to Zach's point, are they going to be able to keep the team together? I mean, it starts this summer with, are you going to give John Collins a max extension? Now, John Collins was incredible during the playoffs the calculus just changes when someone's making that much money because it becomes more difficult to build your team unless you have owners like the Golden State Warriors who say, don't care, pay everyone what they're worth, and we'll dip millions and hundreds and millions into the luxury tax. I don't think that's going to happen in Atlanta. What's going to happen when you have to pay 
like Zach mentions, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, all at once. Can you even well, – so the idea that it, to me it's like guaranteed they're going to make a finals run in the next few years, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, so it would it would not surprise me as, as great Can I jump as in it, real quick, Rohan? Please, please. I, you know, I just wrote about this for the site. Um, hopefully it gets published because a lot of it was just me rambling and I don't know <laughs> if there was a coherent point. Shout out to our editors. But the way I look at the NBA right now, we have like this is post LeBron. And this this isn't to say that LeBron is is done or any of that, but he is no longer the preeminent, unbeatable one-man juggernaut. He's going to be 37 years old next year. So we're post-LeBron in the same way that we once were post-Jordan, meaning that there is a throne that is empty. We are post the Golden State Warriors dynasty now by two years, and that dynasty can not be replicated by this CBA that changed in 2017 as a response to Kevin Durant signing uh, with the Golden State Warriors. Um, so the way I kind of look at it, I, I think I, I I agree with you, Rohan, in the sense that there are very few teams where I would say, yes, I would be surprised because I think that the league, I don't want to say it's a total crapshoot. I don't want to say that um, we're in total parity, like the NFL or anything like that, or, or, or Major League Baseball, because I don't think we are there. But I do think that we are in an era of unpredictability that is unlike anything that we've seen before in either of our lifetimes and maybe in NBA history. And I say that acknowledging how weird this season was for a million different reasons. You got the condensed season, you got the shortened off season, you've got the mental health toll, you got the physical strain, you've got um, just everything that happened this year. You've got COVID, you've got testing. You, it's just, it's, it's, it, we could go on and on and on and on. But I think that we are in an age of unpredictability, and I think that a team like the Hawks can get to the finals. I'm not saying that I expect them to, if that makes any sense. So I answered the question that you posed to me, and you had an opportunity to basically just sit on the fence, which is we should just we just rename this podcast "The Fence" with Michael Pina, because um, that seems to be where you reside. Is that what, when people ask like? send you something like if I'm inviting you to something one day in the mail, uh-huh. just put Michael peanut, the fence. Um, well, I, I, I already have they'll... a nickname. I, I already have a nickname. So please <laughs> respect think, it. But do you think they'll make the finals before 2025? Yes or no? Uh, you know, that's an even, that's an even more aggressive question. So now I'm really putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I do. I, look, I, I, I have all the respect in the world for this team. I love Trey young. I think there's still a lot of variables and let's yeah. get into them right now. Let's get into them right now. I mean, the, the question was, should the, that Zach asked was basically, should the Hawks start packaging some of their young talent um, instead of paying their young talent once those players kind of grow into the contracts that they deserve on the open market? So you have, I mean, you listed all the guys. There's Cam Reddish, who's game six, by the way, was just like... It made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I don't. Those think are the best the... kinds of playoff games where just re- some guy gets hot and yeah, incredible stuff from him. So, so we have him, very talented player. We have DeAndre Hunter, whose knee is just a, a total question mark at this point, quite honestly. Um, and I, th- 
I, I, you know, hopefully he is able to make a 100% recovery, and this is not a lingering issue throughout the next or foreseeable future, but we just we don't know at this point. Uh, we have Kevin Herter, who had, obviously, the fantastic Game 7 in Round 2 against Philadelphia, and then he kind of flamed out a little bit in the conference finals. Um, we have Trey, who's going to get a max, and we have John Collins, who's potentially um, going to get a max. And we have, like, Onyeka Kungwu, who is, this was just his rookie season, but he's playing like someone who showed that he's going to demand some kind of contract. His second contract is not going to be cheap, let's just say, and he, he looks like a keeper for this team. So you add all those young pieces on top of Gallo, on top of Bogdan, um, and the contract that, that he just signed in this past offseason, and it starts adding up real quick. So I guess it's just like if you were if – you, if you're the Hawks, do you think that consoli- consolidating these young players and kind of trying to acquire a Pascal Siakam or a Brandon Ingram or a um, – I'm trying to think of another player. I mean, Brad Beal is out there, but I don't, I don't think that these pieces are enough – um, do you do that, or do you just I, kind of say let's let's roll with what we have? Let's see what happens. I, don't, I think they have to roll with what they have for now because I don't think the right piece is out there. I don't think an Ingram would be a huge enough upgrade that merits moving some of those young guys because I think a big reason for their success this postseason was the depth they had, was the fact that they could mix and match these combinations on the wings, you know, on the wing and find what was working for them on a given night. And I think you lose obviously a lot of that. If you package a lot of, if you package most of the guys for one player, another problem is with someone like Beal, for example, is he's on to use a cliche that I love. He's on a different timeline than someone like Trey young, right? You're, you're pushing. Can, can, I, stop you? can I stop you right there? What, what, why do you think that they're on different timelines? Because okay, that I, is a, that is a good question. Cause shouldn't the timeline always be win a championship. The I Hawks just, should. I think that the Hawks should be in. Hey, let's win. Try to win the title now. That's where we are. We can't waste a year of Trey Young's career. That's kind of how I'm, I'm viewing it, honestly. I I think that's a fair argument. I think that's a good argument. I I mean, I, I hate to be the guy who draws on the Heat example, but let's draw on the Miami Heat example, right? Like, okay. there. I think that there's an awkward tension in that organization right now between do we push our chips to the table and build around Jimmy Butler when we're not entirely sure how many years of superstar level play he has yet. Um, when we could be using those assets to instead build a younger team around bam at a bio and, you know, find the right combination that works for him. I think that for the Hawks, when you bring in someone like Brad Beal, you're like really shifting the ecosystem you know, can Trey Young still be Trey Young if he's playing along someone like Brad Beal or, you know, the superstars on the market? Like Siakam is someone who I think is interesting. I think he he kind of sits in between an Ingram and a Beal in this scenario where to me he gives them like a, a kind of a maximized version of the players they have on the wing right now. And I don't think he'd be as expensive to get in a trade as someone like Beal. And I think that makes him really appealing. He's a younger player, too. I just think it's tricky. I'm not saying that they they shouldn't be trying to win the title or, or they need to delay what's going on with Trey Young. Only that 
do you cash in on on someone older which you could argue shrinks your window to a degree that that's that's what the timeline conversation is and that's a push and pull that gms deal with all the time i i'm not i'm with you like in general i think i think it's better for the league and better for teams when they are like yeah screw it we're going to try to win right now as opposed to maximizing their opportunities to win you know by just keeping that window open for as long as possible but I, that's easier said than done I almost don't believe in windows anymore. Mm. Like with all the, I mean, there's obviously injuries that can happen. There's obviously um, a player getting disgruntled. Suddenly maybe Cam Reddish is like, I, I not maybe Cam Reddish was the best example. Maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich this summer is like, I, I hate Atlanta. I really want to, and I'm not saying that he has any of those <laughs> feelings. I'm just throwing out a hypothetical here where you can't really lean on anything in the NBA anymore. There's mm-hmm. very little um very little certainty from day to day, month to month, etc., let alone year to year. So I think windows are really interesting. If I if I were the Hawks, I would I would just keep everyone. I would re-sign John Collins. I would try not to, you know, try to I would try to pinch some pennies here and not get him on the max. I know he wants to stay in Atlanta and he said that he's not necessarily clinging to the max as an idea and then he would take um, less money. So I would I would lock up John Collins just because you can't lose restricted free agents for nothing. It's just not a smart thing. And if, if things turn sour, you can always trade John Collins and try to recoup some type of piece um, to, to remain competitive. But, like, look, I think that your, your next step is – um, you re-sign Trey, or you extend Trey Young. He's extension eligible. You give him the max. Obviously, there's no question about it. I think you try. You negotiate with Kevin Herter here, and you try to come at a number that is fair to both sides. And you know, Dylan Brooks signed a three-year. I want to say like 36. I'm saying that off the top of my head, but something in that range that isn't going to break the bank and kind of acknowledges. Is some um, team going to fly in, though, and give Herter, like, Joe Harris money? Well, that's the thing. If you let Kevin Herter get to restricted free agency, then you're in a pickle. I do think yeah. some teams will definitely give him an offer sheet. He's a very good basketball player yeah. on both ends, and he's got great size. Yeah. Um, but if you just kind of look at how – if you look at, like, the cap sheet where all these players, when they become extension eligible – and when Bogdan's contract is up, when Gallo's contract becomes non-guaranteed, when Clint Capella is available for unrestricted free agency, like ideally all of the young players will just – like those contracts will just come off the books in 2023, 2024. And then Hunter, Reddish, Trey, Herder, Collins – um, and Okungwu, I'll throw him, him in there as well. Like those are the players that you're you're paying money to. And yes, it's going to be expensive. And in 2023, unless you start cutting salary, you're probably going to be in the tax. But you can be under the tax before then and be okay yeah. um, because of when these extensions kick in. So I think that the Hawks are just in a really good position. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily. Um, I don't think they need to break it up. On. Let me put it that way. Here's a yeah. question I have for you. Okay. You can keep only two of these four players if you're Atlanta. Don't do this to me. It's too late. The ball it's too late. The ball's been pushed down the hill. You gotta keep two out of these four. Tony Bogdan- Snow. <laughs> Bogdanovich, 
herder, reddish hunter. Hunter, definitely. Don't care if he's on one leg. I'm with you. Love I think him. Hunter's their most important wing player. I think they would have they would have maybe beat the Bucks if he was healthy. One hundred percent. Oh, they would have they would have beat the Bucks. Yeah, I, I I love DeAndre Hunter. He's one yeah. of my favorite players. So yeah, he's easily there. I for that from there it becomes a, a race between Herder and Reddish for me, just because. Oh. Of, yeah, Bogdan's age. I'm just mm. you know he's he's very good, and I, I I like a lot of what he brings to the table, but. Um, his age and the contract is just, it's, I think it's 18 million over the next three years with a player option in the final year. Like, hmm. I love Kevin Herter. I love guys who can shoot. I love guys who can get to their spots in the mid range, who are confident. He can make some plays in second side pick and roll. He's a pretty good defender. But Cam Reddish is just like, He's so tantalizing, and he is. But the shot, I think you need. I think you you keep Hunter for his defense, and obviously his shooting, but more so his defense, and then you pick one of the shooters. That's how I would do it personally. I think you're not wrong, and I think that Reddish's ceiling is obviously like it's just obviously higher for yeah. a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But I already have Trey, so like. How much do I want that is certain versus? And it's not like Kevin Herter is not going to get better. You know, yeah. it's, I'm I'm am t- taking Herter. I'm just there we I'm, go. I'm going with Herter. There we go. I'm off the fence. Herter Hunter. <laughs> Let's go. That's yeah. my duo. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, so well, are you going to answer your own question? Or are you just going to? I I said Hunter, and then one of the two shooters. Yeah, I'll I, I'll go Bogdanovich only because he's got throw the contracts and all that stuff aside for a second. He mm-hmm. just has like a competitiveness to him that I really enjoy watching. He's got like a little bit of an FU in him that I think is fun. I think he likes taking big shots. Uh, I, I really, I've, just, I've always enjoyed his game. I'm glad he's like out of the abyss that is Sacramento. Apologies uh, to everyone from Sacramento. Uh, shout, out, shout out Hassan Minhaj. Uh, <laughs> but I, I would go Bogdanovich and Hunter. I think Hunter's their most important wing player. They need him to hit, and he's so good when he's healthy. Yeah, no, you're 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 spot on. Yeah. So we covered the Hawks. Um, R.I.P. to the Hawks. It was a great season. It was a lot of fun. If Trey Young Trey Young doesn't hurt his ankle, I think that they're in the NBA Finals. And it, it's just... isn't it? I think it's Peach season right now. So not all is lost in Georgia. I think it might be Peach season. This is a random question, but there are there different types of peaches? Like there are different types of apples. Is that of a stupid course, question? Of course. Okay. Like, can you give me? I know there's like white peaches. Yeah, white are there... peaches. <laughs> white peaches was all I had for you. <laughs> yes. There's there's definitely many peaches. I there's okay. definitely many peaches. Okay, I would love to have a peach tree. That would be wonderful. Yeah, Pe- peaches grow on trees, right? Rohan? I believe the peach tree is you're, a phrase that I've heard before in my you're life. The, so you're yes. the culinary expert yeah, yeah, yeah. on this the show, food, yeah, so yeah. I, I defer to you. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So awesome. Uh, shout out to the Hawks. A lot of fun watching them this season. They were great. It's still peach season, so fun <laughs> times for them uh, all around throughout the offseason. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. 
like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. Uh, Rohan, it's the day of game one of the NBA Finals. Um, we And the Phoenix Suns are playing the Milwaukee Bucks, which is just something that... Uh, no one had really this one. No one had zero. this one. Zero people in the world had this one. I'm confident saying that. Zero people had this. Um, and the paths that both these took, teams took to get here were like simultaneously fortuitous and devastating. <laughs> yes. So um, it's just, it's really awesome to see uh, both sides uh, persevere through all that they had to overcome. And um, it's really cool. Chris Paul, we covered um, in an earlier episode, everything with him and um, Devin Booker's ascension to superstardom and, you know, Drew Holiday's last two games of the conference finals were spectacular. Brooke Lopez looks like an all-star again. Uh, but to kind of like to preview uh, this can I matchup. Tell you a, can I tell you a quick Brooke oh. Lopez story real quick? Please. Because I love Brooke Lopez, okay? Yes, and who doesn't? Early in my SI career, I used to do some really random Q&As where like, this NBA player is speaking on behalf of this NBA partnership. And I'd go interview them. So it'd be like Chris Paul and state farm. One time Chris Paul called me 20 minutes early for an interview and I answered the phone and I was like, hello. And he was like, hello. 
And then he's like, it's Chris. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm interviewing Brooke Lopez at Forever 21 in New York City. Like, yes, the Forever 21 had a collection with the NBA. And I'm interviewing Brooke Lopez. And, you know, it's like he's that was around the time where his name was always popping up in, in trade rumors. You know, the Nets weren't very good. And he was, like you mentioned, an all-star, very good player. And I was like, you know, are you checking your phone on Twitter? Um, like, are you worried that there's going to be like a Woj bomb with your name on it? And he was like, he looked at me like I was speaking like like a, a language from Star Trek or something. And he was like, no. He was like, I have no idea what a Woj bomb is. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. Not he was like, and he's just like, he's wearing flip-flops and a t-shirt in this Forever 21. And I was like, this guy is living life the right way. So shout out to Brooke Lopez. I'm a huge fan. Very glad he had his playoff moment. Yes, and that was a great story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he was like, no, man, no. <laughs> just, just absolutely chilling. You can't shake that guy. Well, so I guess that leads us into some of these finals questions that we mm-hmm. have for each other. I'm sure Brooke Lopez will appear. I know he appears in <laughs> yes. at least one of my questions. So, Rowan, do you want me to kick things off or do you want to? I'm sure we'll maybe have some overlap here because there is one question that I guarantee you both of us have well, on our list. Can I, can I start with the lowest hanging fruit question? Sure. Yes. Go ahead. I, I, this was one that I feel like we have to bring up. It's how impactful will Giannis be because I I think that's that's really the thing looming over this series where if he's able to go and play well I think this is could be a seven game series but our finals roundtable of predictions went up on si.com today check that out I love when Mm -hmm. the whole staff gets together it's like a fast and furious movie you know um but I have the Suns in five, and that's based largely – I guess I really jumped the gun on our predictions there at the end. But I I just think that the Giannis injury is clouding so much of the series and, and how we can talk about it because if he's like 70% Giannis, I, I just don't know I, – I just don't know that Milwaukee can offensively generate enough against a really good Suns defense. So I, the Giannis injury, I think, is the, the first question we have to tackle. If you're the Bucks and you're playing a limited Giannis, Michael, what, what what's kind of your strategy? What are you thinking? How do we kind of mitigate this? If I'm playing Giannis and he's just not 100, percent is that what yes. you're asking? Yes. Well, first of all, I don't. I, I I have a really difficult time even believing the report that was while the conference finals were going on. It was um, I forget who reported it. I think so it was Chris Haynes said he could play in Game Seven. Yes, that yes, that is accurate. That he would have um, the green light, I believe, was the term to to give it a go in Game Seven. And it's not that I'm like doubting um, any uh, of Chris Haynes' reporting ability or anything like that. I just, and I'm also not a doctor, but when I watch that injury, I'm like, this dude is out for a very long time. I don't care yes. if it's just a hyperextension. I don't care. And honestly, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. The next question is, okay, so if he does play in the NBA Finals, which is the most intense level of basketball competition that there is, 
and he re-injures himself? Like, what is the what is the probability or the likelihood of a re-injury that could affect next season and affect the rest of this guy's career? I think that those questions you have to bring into account. So even though this is the NBA Finals, and I'm sure Giannis is, like, chomping at the bit to, to get out there. I mean, even just seeing him stand on the sidelines, I'm like, can you get this guy in, like, a suite or something? Human, like, human knees were not meant to bend that way. And it, it made me start to wonder, like, no. how many centuries did we go before a human knee was was afflicted like that because that doesn't happen in everyday life. I don't think that was happening to hunters and gatherers, you know. I uh that was a tough injury to watch. I saw that replay once. I never need to see it again for the rest of my life. So yeah, it's it's tough to even dig into this series in some ways just because we have no idea how healthy honest is going to be. I think he was listed as doubtful for game 1 as we're recording this. I don't think there's been an update yet on his final status, but even if he gives it a go, I'm with you. Here's here's the thing. Do the Bucks just punt on the first two Suns home games? Not punt, but say we're resting Giannis. Should he have not even traveled? We're going to do rehab fully. Get him Because the series schedule is set up in such a weird way that there's a six-day break between game one and game three. Finally. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just have to – quick aside, the, the one-day break between games and the playoffs – like, I, I, growing up, I always wanted that because I'm selfish and I can't go longer than 24 hours without basketball. <laughs> but now I'm just like, okay, because of just how ha- the conditions that we've, we saw during these particular playoffs, like even watching the Western Conference Finals with the Clippers and the ridiculous road that they were on, it was like, can you give Paul George two days to rest, yeah. please? No, I'm with you. I'm Come with on. You. If I'm the Bucks, not to go full Reggie Miller... I'm genuinely considering letting Giannis just not even think about these first two games in Phoenix. Like, Phoenix is going to come out. You know the, the Valley crowd is going to be nuts. Suns and four guys are going to be on the Jumbotron. Kids are going to be taking their shirts off. Like, your chances of winning game one are pretty bad, even with the healthy Giannis. So I'm seriously considering just letting him focus on rehab until game three because it's not until July 14th, and then he gets a good little break. So do you think that Giannis, if you had to over-under games Giannis plays in this series and I put it at two and a half, what would you say over-under? Oh, wow. I'm saying over, but I think it'll be like three games. I, I'm i still kind of in the camp of I will believe this man can play basketball when I see it. And that's how I felt. On, for what it's worth, I heard Chris Bosh uh, say on ESPN that he doesn't think Giannis – is going to come back. And he was like, I had this exact same injury and he was detailing all the little sub injuries that can happen if you try to play with it. And it was very interesting. I mean, obviously Chris Bosch is not a doctor nor are you and I, but I'm with you the way, the way his knee bent and the way he plays. I just, I don't, and it's not like, it's not like he can do what James Harden did at the end of that net series where he was playing on a torn hamstring, but just camped at the three point line. Like Giannis is so integral to their help defense, uh, running in transition, et cetera. Not that anyone is playing great on that injury, but it seemed would, it would have seemed to affect his game in particular. Right. And you bring up a really interesting, just whole element to this, which is, okay, let's say Giannis does play, but Giannis is, 60 percent 75 percent Giannis can't really be a decoy in the same way that even Trey Young could be a decoy yeah. where sure Trey Young is, is is vulnerable on the defensive end 
but the gravity that he has on offense is just in a different level on the perimeter. So where Giannis is screening for Drew Holiday and screening um, for Chris Middleton and diving hard to the rim, is he able to do that, or does he have right. to just I mean, Trey hang Young, around in the dunker spot? Like Trey Young standing in the corner on offense is a big deal, is a huge deal. Whereas like Giannis has to be in a certain area. Yeah, I, it's really, really going to be fascinating. I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how they try to mitigate it if he does end up giving it a go. Right, and then defensively, Giannis is one of the most intimidating weak side rim protectors in the NBA. He's just uh, his closeout speed, his length, etc., is incredible. He was the defensive player of the year last season. He's leading the playoffs in rebounds right now. Like how much of that is? I mean, a lot of that is is physicality and energy, and like a, a willingness to just provide multiple efforts on one possession if he's not able to do that then what what good is he who is he defending on the suns like the suns their offense is not complicated but it is just like surgical in how they execute in the half court where you need to do certain things on the defensive end to try to slow them down and i don't know how Giannis would fit into that if he was a step slow or not able to get up and contest three-point shooters or help and recover or um you know are they suddenly switching which leads me into a a question that i have for later that we're going to bring up in a second like just what do you do with Giannis if he's not able to be Giannis? i think that that is uh, that's basically hovering over this entire series beyond even just willie can he play yeah well why don't we get into your question then i don't know if you want to hit you hit me with the switching one one of your questions but let's get into it what what was sure so my first question was, will Giannis play? And I wrote down no. Okay. Um, <laughs> my second question is just, what is Milwaukee's defensive strategy mm-hmm. going to be in this series? And I'm assuming, again, for, for all intents and purposes, I'm assuming from here on out that Giannis is not going to play and not be a factor. Okay. okay. So will the Bucks do what they have always done? Will they drop Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis? Or will they switch as they did in Game 5 and Game 6 against the Hawks? And they had a lot of success doing that. Um, Will they go zone at all? Which is something that Milwaukee basically never does. But Mm -hmm. they might have watched the Clippers do it in the conference finals. And the Clippers had a little bit of success with that after Zubats went down. And so maybe that is something that they they have all this time to work on and implement. We'll see. Um, But I'm just fascinated by what the fundamental pick and roll strategy is here because we know that Phoenix is going, that's like their bread and butter. They're going to run pick and roll. They're going to run Spain pick and roll. They're going to run um, uh, stagger pick and roll with two guys coming up to set screens for Chris Paul. Um, They're going to run Devin Booker off of uh, dribble handoffs from the corner into pick and rolls. Like that's just what they do. So we know that and we know how the Bucks typically defend it but how will they defend it without Giannis in this particular series I think it's just a humongous question yeah I mean good for Brooke I thought he held up really well when they were asking him to switch in the last couple games of that Atlanta series I mean it helped that Trey was obviously hobbled or missing I think he did a really good job what's interesting to me about switching against Phoenix is Chris Paul was an incredible isolation player in Houston especially that first season um, when the Rockets were really successful, 
I don't think he likes playing that way. I don't think that's ever been his preferred, you know, style, et cetera. But he's capable. So it's not even like, oh, let's just switch everything on Chris uh, and try to take away his mid-range if we're playing drop, and that's the obvious way to go. Um, uh, that, to me, is going to be interesting. That actually leads me into another question I had for you, Mike. Wait, before if, you get to that, oh, before please. you get to that, I, I have I, I would like to get in the weeds a little bit further. Let's do it. Let's do it. With what I think the Bucks are going to actually do in this series. Because I went for the open floor, our open floor listeners who are basically like family members. I went back <laughs> and I, I rewatched um the late April matchup between these two mm-hmm. teams, the last time they played, and Giannis did play in that, but basically everyone was in that game, and you got a mm-hmm. sense of just how the Bucks are going to strategically respond to all those pick and rolls, and they basically dropped Brooke on every single one. They dropped Bobby Portis on every single one for the most part, and what I really love about how they executed in that game was... Like not only do does does Brooke drop, but everybody packs into the paint. Like all the weak side defenders, everyone comes into the paint to take away. Like there's going to be no lobs for DeAndre Ayton. This is going to mm-hmm. be a very difficult series for DeAndre Ayton, I think. Um, and he's just like if they switch, one of the things Ayton can do is then just feast on the offensive glass because Brooke Lopez is out in the perimeter, which is another reason I do not think that the Bucks will do a lot of switching in this series, but. The Bucks have just done a tremendous job all playoffs long of allowing um, non-corner threes and just completely taking everything away from the paint and forcing pull-up twos in the mid-range, which is something that Phoenix really likes. But for some reason, like I, I think that they can live off of a diet of you know semi-contested mid-range pull-ups from CP and Devin Booker for an entire series. Like I, th- I think that defensively you can win those possessions more often than not. And just like I mean, I'm Lopez, not saying le- Lopez also has the length that makes those mid-range shots like two percent more uncomfortable than they would be against any other big in the league. Right, that's a really good point, yeah. and I think that. This series offensively for Phoenix is going to come down to Mikael Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson. Are those guys going to be able to hit the threes that uh, Milwaukee gives them? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to be able to make plays when Milwaukee runs them off the three-point line and forces them to put it on the deck? Um, I think that these that like that is the micro battle within the war that I think could I don't know if it could def- decide the whole series because without Giannis, you just are at such a talent disparity that mm-hmm. it might not... It, that might not matter. Right. But I think that that is like, that is so critical. And you made up a, you made a really good point about um, Milwaukee's inability to score on Phoenix's defense. Like if you, if you force these misses and then kind of push the ball up the floor and attack and transition as much as possible, you might have some success on offense. But I, that's another reason I think that Phoenix's defense versus Milwaukee's offense is just such a clear, so clearly in um, in Phoenix's favor without Giannis that that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Phoenix in the series. But but yeah, like, do you uh, is what I'm saying making sense to you, Rohan? Absolutely, or am I kind of no, no, no. I think it's agree, a great disagree? point. I think it's. I mean, you watch the game. I think you brought up, bring up a very interesting point about packing the paint, which gets to my last question, and I want to save that 
But I wanted to ask you one more thing that, that I think really touches on all the things we're talking about, which is, do you think the Bucks can have success going small in this series without Giannis? Like, does that mean anything? Will that give them anything in this series? Because that's always been the question about them, right? Is when are they going to go small? And we've seen them do it, I think, more than ever in these playoffs and have success with it. But does it mean anything if they don't have Giannis? Did you know that Brooke Lopez has more win shares than Chris Paul in this in these playoffs? That's hilarious. <laughs> so I guess it, I answered that your question by Paul s- missing some time. I, I don't I don't understand <laughs> what win shares is. To be honest <laughs> no, with you, I just I recite can. it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I like it. Um, but I guess like I say that because if you go small, I'm that means Lopez is on the bench, right? Like what I is the line? So. What is I what think is the small be, lineup? It would be Portis, Tucker, Middleton, Connaughton, and Holiday. Okay, I think that we will see lineups like that for sure. Defensively, like you are very like then you're switching, I assume, and I think that that lineup, that type of lineup can have success when Saric is on the court mm. and when Aiton is not on the floor. But I do wonder, like, how many minutes are Drew Holiday and Chris yeah, Middleton and these guys going right. to have to play in this series? Like, it's, are Bud's they going gonna the distance? Have to, someone's going to have to get Bud, like, a, like a fainting chair because of the minutes he's going to have to play these his guys in this series. Like, they just need to, you know, make sure he's properly prepared. Uh, they have some cold water, you know, maybe some bananas on the bench just to make sure that he's really prepared for how many minutes he's going to have to play his guys in this series. Okay. So here's my third question. And this is something that you've touched on a little bit. And that is, I think you could m- I would not make the argument that DeAndre Ayton's been the Suns' best player this playoffs. I still think it's been Chris Paul, but he's been so impactful. And my third question is, will DeAndre Ayton have another huge series? Because I think this is going to be his toughest matchup. I I think I alluded to this in an earlier yes. rant that I had. I, I don't think that this is his series, and... I have, I mean, I wrote a column about Aiton earlier that I think applauded a lot, a lot of the the ways that he's had success in this postseason, while also recognizing his limitations in a lot of ways. And right now, as you say, he's matched up against Brook Lopez, who's played. You know, I, I think I've, I might be have been, I might have been just way more critical on Brooke throughout the playoffs than I should be. I think we all have. I think we all have. He's been their scapegoat. Right. He's, but he's just, he was so good in the conference finals after Giannis went down in those last two games, um, as so many other players on that team were, but Brooke really stood out. I think that just stylistically, the strategy that Milwaukee will have on defense against all these pick and rolls, as I said, just does not lend itself to Aiton really feasting. I would be surprised if he got loose for lobs and on just like basic rolls with CP, either side pick and rolls, mid pick and rolls, drag screens, like whatever. I don't. I, I think that Milwaukee's defense is disciplined enough to really execute their plan, which, as I said, is we're we're packing the paint with everybody, and then we're we're rotating back out to the shooters and we're going to try to contest late contest if we can whatever but they're not going to give up a lot at the rim 
So if you're Aiden, how are you going to impact the game? I mean, you got to set really good screens for CP to get him open for those mid-range pull-ups on whoever's guarding him, be it Middleton, be it um, Drew Holiday, who needs to have an absolutely like monstrous series. Oh, yeah. He's got to be fighting over all those Aiton screens. The, one, the reason I bring it up is, like I think we both mentioned, if Giannis isn't able to go, there's a huge talent deficit here. But if there's mm-hmm. one thing that I think is maybe interesting or in the Bucks' favor is Aiton's been such a huge part of Phoenix's success in the playoffs because of what he's done on the offensive glass. What he's done is just kind of like being the most energetic big in the in the game at all times. And I do think the Bucks have the guys, whether it's Tucker or Lopez, to mitigate, I think, a lot of what Aiton has done in these playoffs. And I just wonder what Phoenix looks like with a slightly less efficient, a slightly less effective Aiton, how that will trickle down and affect everything else they do. Because it's a lot of pressure to put on. You got the guys you mentioned earlier, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, whose sh- Crowder shooting can be streaky. Mm-hmm. Um, if Aiton isn't shooting 10 of 13 every night, how does that affect how Phoenix looks? That to me is like maybe an interesting thing here. Well, I mean, the other part of this is, okay, Aiton, you're not giving us a lot on the offensive end. Again, this isn't your series. You still need to dive hard. Mm-hmm. You still need to like be a presence and do your best on the offensive glass, even though Milwaukee is one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the league which Giannis isn't around, so maybe yeah. that stat is meaningless. I don't know. Um, but okay, so what are you giving us on the defensive end? Like, I don't want to see, if I'm Monty Williams, what I'm telling DeAndre Ayton is like, I don't want to see any Drew Holiday, like waltzes into the paint for like a lefty finger roll off the glass. Like, that's not going to happen in this series. Like, Chris Middleton, let him try to hit like 10 foot pull-ups and eight foot pull-ups and floaters. But like, there's just nothing at the rim that's on you, Aiton. Uh So I think that he can have an impact defensively for sure, but, and cleaning up the glass as well. Um, Because the reason that the Hawks lost those last two games, if you just go back and watch, it's like they couldn't rebound. Yeah. Brooke Lopez was eating them alive on the offensive glass. The second chance opportunities were just that, that, that killed them. So Aiton needs to just do the fundamental things he's on the court to do and play with energy. And I still think he can have a positive impact for sure. But I'm not expecting a, you know, 22.12 rebound average for him over however long this series goes. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Do you have a last question or do you want to get into uh, predictions and picks here? So I do have um, a last question for you, Rohan. And it it's something I've been thinking about for quite a bit ever since I watched game five. And it's how good can Drew Holiday really be? Like, I think we all, you know, the, the nerds out there who follow the NBA like us, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday is just kind of this, like, deity, and <laughs> he really, there's really not a lot of criticism for him, for, for good reason. He's an incredible defensive player, he made all defensive team this year. The Bucks gave up basically everything to get him, for good reason. He's a very good player. But if you actually, like, really dig into the offensive numbers, and you, you go back and watch some of those games against the Nets, That's where he just disappeared. Seven. Yeah, he just disappeared offensively. Um who is this player and like what is his ceiling just for the next two weeks like can he be the best player in this series and i say that like honestly i think that that is a legitimate question you can ask based on his talent but will he be um it's it's not even an expectation for me that he will be but the possibility of him being the best player and him taking over is something that like if i'm building a case for milwaukee to win the nba championship it's like okay, Drew Holiday just put this basketball team on his back and he's, he won finals MVP. And I just my question is basically, like, how likely is that for you? Or is that even possible? It's tough because I think on paper, like you mentioned, right, we look at Drew, like he's the guy who the Pelicans threw on Kevin Durant when they were playing the Warriors, like an ultimate competitor, a defender, one of those guys who you want fighting over every screen. What's interesting, and I think what's happened in this playoffs is, it's hard to be a two-way guy like that for four straight rounds. It's really not easy. There's a reason why very few players in the world, you know, the Durants, uh, the LeBrons, the Kawhis are really the, the few guys who, who hold up doing that. And I do wonder, like, in that Nets series in Game 7 when, when Holiday's offense, you know, he was struggling. If they had lost, that would have been – I, I think all the blame would have gone on him, frankly. You know, was he slowed down from – you know, all the defense, all the responsibility he has defensively every time there's a pick and roll. Because, you know, they're asking him to do a lot because of what they ask their bigs to do, right? They drop the bigs play conservative. 
a lot of that relies on Drew being aggressive, fighting over those screens, not letting shooters get, you know, wide open looks. It's going to be tough, man. I'm assuming they're going to start him on Chris. You know, Chris Paul is going to be relentless. He's going to have to fight over the screens and stop Chris Paul from getting to his mid-range. Mm-hmm. I think my concern is I think he can hold up defensively. I don't know that he can have the two-way performance that would be required from him without Giannis just because that's a massive amount of responsibility that he hasn't really been asked to, to carry before on this level. I mean, I think about that game five in the conference finals, and I keep going back to it because, like, number one, I had to write after it. And I don't know about you, Rohan, but, like, whenever I have to write off a game, I'm like, my attention is just, like, an extra crisp. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends you know how I mean? much wine I've had to drink, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in watching that game, I mean, this guy was – doing whatever he wanted on the mm-hmm. floor. Like, yeah. He was getting to any spot, and he was forcing... Like, they didn't even need to get give him a screen, ever. It was just, okay, I'm Drew Holiday. I'm going to put it on the floor. I'm going to put you in the basket. If you send help, I'm going to find Brooke Lopez, and Brooke Lopez is going to dunk. And that was basically their offense for... I mean, I, he did it against the Heat, too, in that first round. He was relentless. He got to the rim whenever he wanted, hunting, you know, whatever matchups he wanted, too. Like, he definitely has the talent. Here's one thing I'll, I'll flip on that game five performance is I think the Suns, especially if they don't have to defend Giannis are in a much better position to defend drew than the Hawks were. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be tough. You know, Chris Paul, great defender. Uh, You know, are they going to put Jay Crowder on Middleton that would that free up bridges to be on drew? I mean, they have, they have so many options to throw at him that that I think is going to be a challenge that, you know, the level of defenses he's he's going to face is going to take a massive step up from any other point in the playoffs because of the combination of what the Suns do and no Giannis. But, I mean, I'm with you. The talent is there. Like, there are times where you're like, nobody is stopping this guy from getting to the rim, you know, one-on-one. You know, how is this possible? No, and he had some plays even in the game six, which he was excellent in that game as yeah. well, where – like I think they cut it to seven in the th- it was late in the third, early in the fourth. Whenever the Hawks cut it to seven, and he just like put his head down and had like one of the illest reverse layup <laughs> finishes through traffic, and I was like, okay, this dude is just not—he's not of this world right now. So I want to see that Drew, honestly, and I think the finals. I think Adam Silver really wants to see that Drew, <laughs> um, because the Bucks are—I mean, it's like it comes down to okay. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday got to be. I, I don't want to sound too much like Reggie Miller. They got to be Olympians. Like, yeah. They got to be. They, <laughs> they got to be superheroes here. It's like, it's very simple. That's the recipe. Um, and like, Drew is just so. Like, is he going to be able to put Chris Paul in foul trouble, or is mm-hmm. he going to be yeah. able to? To are you going to be able to bring Devin Booker up on him and let him muscle Devin Booker? Um, in the same way that Paul George tried to hunt him in in the conference finals, um, I think that Drew, Drew is, is going to have to. He's going to have to be like the game wrecker. He's going to have to disrupt the flow of the game, and, uh, you know, on both ends of the floor. And I think that's their best bet if Drew is disrupting things. Okay, so let's get to predictions. Um, I think we teased. <laughs> we <did laughs> I think I teased job. it by when I said <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm, with the with my lack of confidence in Giannis's health, I'm going Suns in five, and I got Chris Paul, the point god, as my Finals MVP. 
uh, on the site, I had Sons and Six, and again, it's just it's basically um, a result of okay, Giannis is probably not going to play in this series, and if he did play, things would be a lot different. Mm-hmm. But for Finals MVP, like I, I wanted to. I want to pick Drew so bad, but you can't. Obviously, you're not picking like there. He's not winning that award if the Bucks don't win. But like in my mind's eye, I'm like there is a universe where the Bucks do win somehow, and Drew is the best player. And so I know that I'm on the fence with this slash. I'm picking Chris Paul as the Finals MVP. <laughs> Um, but I would love to see Drew just like step up and just be this monstrosity that I think a lot of us believe he can be. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get a finals MVP vote. I think they literally run down to the media, like six or seven people and they're like vote. But if the bucks win and I'm there, Mike, I'll vote drew on your behalf. No matter what, no matter what (laughs) he might've missed the last three games, (laughs) but no matter what for you, for the open floor globe, that's my promise. If I get a finals vote and the bucks win, I'm going to vote drew. I think they'll never let me do it again. Yeah, exactly. Then you're going to get fired. I think that that is a wonderful place to, to end with Rohan giving um, promises that he cannot keep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh that brings us to the end of of another uh episode of of open floor thank you so much again to all of our wonderful listeners um for all of the emails that you guys sent in uh please keep them coming in to openfloormail at gmail.com that's openfloormail at gmail.com uh, rohan and i will be back next week uh chris and i will be back later this week to kind of assess game one of the nba finals which are tonight which is wonderful um but for rohan uh, i'm signing off uh everyone stay safe everyone enjoy the nba finals MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff.